today and I can't think of a better way to welcome everybody out than to do a baptismal certificate. Where's little Kessa at? Kessa, come on up here. Kessa was baptized in Jesus' name. Yet last night after our revival service. She came on her own multiple times and told mom and dad, I want to be baptized and I asked her about it, and she knew exactly why we get baptized. Amen. Aren't you thankful for our children, our Sunday school? Amen. Keep her in your prayers. God does great things with her and her family. Amen. Cross aisle, always shake somebody's hand. Welcome them out today to Sunday service. you make your way back to your seat today. If you remain standing, we're going to go in the Lord in prayer today. How many was here last night? How many had a great word from the Lord yesterday? 
Amen. So thankful. Glad to have Evangelist Michael Mob with us again to see him. Amen. Looking forward to a great word today as well. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer today, asking God to have his will and his way. Uh, I do ask that you pray for Brother Rick and his mother. Uh, last night during service, his mother had a heart attack, uh, so he is with her. So please pray for Brother Rick, the family, his mother. Also, I heard uh, that Brother Steve and Sister Amy, both of their fathers, uh, are in the hospital right now. So please pray for both of them as well. We'll take all of the prayer requests by lifting of hands. Amen. How many knows if you go before the Lord boldly with a made-up mind? With a made-up mind, it's going to happen that God's going to do something great. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you today, God. Thank you, Lord God, for this revival service, God. Thank you, Lord, for each and every individual that's here today, Lord Jesus. God, we come into your presence, Lord God, with thanksgiving in our heart, God. Lord, loving you, praising you, worshiping you, we honor you, Lord. God, there's no way we can give you enough, Lord God, but we offer you, God, a sacrifice of praise and worship today. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, you touch, Lord, every aspect of this service. God, from the beginning to the end, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, you anoint our musicians and our singers as they usher us into a time of praise and worship. God, I pray, Lord, you'd help us, Lord God, to be attentive to your voice and into your word. God, we welcome you, Lord, into this place. God, you would inhabit the praise of your people. God, you would move throughout every aisle, every pew. God, you would come and speak, Lord God, what needs to be spoken in this place. God, accomplish, Lord God, what you want accomplished. God, I pray, Lord, you touch these that are sick, these that are hurting. God, those that are in the hospital, God, I pray, Lord, you cover them. Protect them, Lord God. Keep them, Lord Jesus, through this time. God, I pray, Lord, you bring healing to their bodies, Lord Jesus. God, and peace to their souls, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you touch and anoint, Lord God, your man of God, as he brings forth the message. God, you would touch and bless his assembly, God. God, help us, Lord God, to be on the right path. God, position us, God, to hear and receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Will you clap your hands to the Lord? Lift up your voice and thank the Lord today before he is great and greatly to be praised. God, we love you, Jesus. God, we praise your holy name today. Amen, amen. You can be seated today. We're going to do something special uh, here. Uh, if we can get uh, Brother Ty, Sister Nicole to come up. We'll have you guys come up first, and we'll bring your babies up in just a few moments. If you guys just want to stand up here. If you know Brother Ty and Sister Nicole, you know their heart and ministry. And it's my honor today to ordain them, Brother Ty and Sister Nicole, officially into the ministry. In chapter 6, the Bible lets us know that the apostles needed help, and they called on men to be ministry in the church to help them take care of the flock. Acts chapter 6, verse 3 points out some important characteristics of what a minister should obtain. We see in these in Acts chapter 6, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. When I think of Brother Ty, Sister Nicole, and I think of the congregation, that I believe that every one of us would approve of the ministry of their heart, of their desire, amen, that they have for people, primarily missions. I know they have a huge missions focus, but uh, these, this is a couple that will go out of their way to help and to reach and to give Bible studies. I look at somebody's ministry by how they promote themselves, and, and they don't promote themselves, and I like that. I like that they're willing to go and meet with people, to pray with people, 
and they don't have to post about it. They don't have to let everybody know, but their heart is being right there in that room with those people. And I'm thankful for couples like this. Young people be uh, observant of this and what a couple can do together for the ministry of the Lord. Said Corinthians lets us know that ministry is not about us, but ministry is about serving and preaching the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Ministering the gospel to many looks like something that is luxury, uh, something where you get exalted a lot, but that's not what ministry is at all. But ministry is about teaching Jesus and about serving others. And again, I think if we polled everybody that's here today, you would see that in this couple, that they have a heart for Jesus and to serve those that they can. Brother Ty, we urge you to keep the faith. Remember in difficult times who has called you and who has anointed you. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6-9, through 9, the Bible says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and his grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the word began. Brother Ty has a calling, and he's pronounced that calling in his life, and that calling was placed upon his life by Jesus, that most upholy calling, and we're thankful that him and his wife are willing to answer that call today. I believe also is very important that we remember his ministry that we were never called to be alone or to be by ourselves, but ministry is a collaboration among husband and wife. After God created everything, he looked down on Adam and he created a perfect world and he said, everything is good except for one thing. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, he says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. The Lord did not see fit for Adam to walk through life by himself. And he gave a wife to support him. And I believe it's the same with our callings and our ministry. God is not calling us to go through ministry by ourselves, but he has given us a spouse to do that with. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had, God had taken from Adam made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse number 24, Therefore shall a man cleave, leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The Bible lets us know that from the side of Adam, a rib was taken, amen, showing that a husband and wife 
work best when they're beside each other, working together and collaborating as one flesh and one ministry. It's just as important for Sister Nicole to walk in this calling with Brother Ty as it is for Brother Ty to walk in this calling himself. And as a couple, they will do great things together. How many believes that today? The man is the head of the household, but when it comes to ministry, ministry is a joint adventure where husband and wife become one to serve God. This ministry will be stronger because they work together. And when we pray for them, we're going to pray for both of them, that God would anoint them together, amen, to become the strongest they can be. It is important that both of you agree to work as one team and as one unit as you step out into this wonderful calling of ministry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are one flesh as a married couple, and we will be one flesh and one spirit in the element of ministry. Today I'm going to ask for our elders to come up. I'm also going to ask uh, if somebody would bring their beautiful daughters up here with, so they can be with them. And as they're making their way up here today, I'm going to turn this over to our bishop and allow him to speak as well. I know that Brother Ty and Sister Nicole have come up under his leadership and want to give him an opportunity to minister as well. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask uh, Elder Hardy and Sister Hardy to come up. Amen. If there's any other family member to come up as well. Uh, I just want to say a couple things here. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13. We beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their works sake and I want to emphasize for their works sake and be at peace among yourselves brother Ty today you're being ordained not only as a minister of the gospel but also um, I'd like to make sure that everyone knows as a as a missionary uh, we're we're wanting to make sure the church I think everybody knows your heart and today you're being ordained not only as a uh, in ministry but as missionary for the missions field uh, ordination simply means the act of granting uh, ministerial authority it means to be commissioned and appointed and today we're doing that and so I'm going to ask the church to stand I'm going to ask our elders and our ministry that's here today uh, to come to the front church uh, there's a we've been doing our part uh, I know you've been very supportive but I want to ask brother Hardy sister Hardy this question and first to brother Ty uh, do you before this body this assembly accept the duties and the calling uh, as a minister and as a future missionary uh, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sister Nicole, do you accept the calling that's been placed in your husband's life and as a family be supportive? Church, will you accept the charge that's been given to the hardies and commit by prayer, and by seeking the Lord's will for this family. Amen. 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 Brothers, I want you to to anoint them. 
Church, if you would, you want to extend your hand. But if you would, just let's begin to pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for a calling. God, we thank you, Lord, because we know, God, it's not the past, but it's the future. God, that when you call it, Lord God, you are moving forward, Lord, in your commission. You've commissioned these, Lord God, not only to be ministry, God, but to be a part of something, Lord God, that goes greater, goes beyond, Lord God. In the missions field, Lord God, you've given the heart. You've given them the desire, Lord God. God, now we ask, God, that your anointing, Lord God, would rest on them, God, and your blessing from this body of believers, Lord. God, from those, Lord God, here that's today, God, we pray, God, that you would minister. God, that you would strengthen. God, that you would give to them, Lord God. Even in the times of doubt and uncertainty, God, God, that you would deliver them and help them, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord God, and let them know, God, their roots are here, Lord God. Their family's here, Lord Jesus. They always have our prayers and our commitment and support. In the precious name of Jesus, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Would you put your hands together today to the Lord? Now the struggles begin. <laughs> Amen. You better believe. And brother and Sister Hardy has been forewarned that uh, commitment's one thing, but when you step out and you exercise faith and start taking those steps, Amen. you're going to make the devil mad, and he's going to try his best to discourage. But how many church we've committed today to pray? We've committed to stand behind them and ask God to give them strength, give them the guidance they need. And I'm looking forward to see what the Lord's going to do, amen, here in the near future. How many of you noticed Brother Ty has been speaking more here in the church? That's been by design. Amen. We uh, told him last fall that uh, starting this year we're going to be promoting that in a, in, a, in a stronger way so that uh, as this next year progresses, uh, that uh, they'll be prepared, and so that'll be the next step. Amen. How many would lift their hands toward God today? Come on, let's lift your hands toward the heavens today. Let's let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for evangelism. I'm thankful for a calling of God when God calls men and women into the ministry. Jesus, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity we've had today, God. Thank you, Lord God, for the roots, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the establishment, Lord God. Let your will be done, Lord. We thank you for being a part of it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Are we ready to worship the Lord? Amen. Step on out here. And amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
right now come on praise in places that don't make sense confuses the enemy I wonder right now if you would confuse your enemy by your praise and by your worship oh hallelujah Jesus hallelujah I'll praise when I don't feel like I praise it I'll praise when I get a bad report I'll praise when I don't know which side is up I'll praise when I don't have anything oh hallelujah Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I wish somebody would praise right now like they really want to praise. Come on, I wish somebody right now would let a praise come forth. You've been wanting to let it go. I wonder if you let it go right now. Come on, let some praise begin to flow. Let some worship begin to flow. It may not make sense. You may not understand it. Oh, but my God deserves it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, I say, use your weapon right now. Use your weapon. Let the enemy know you mean business today. Not my family, not my church, not my ministry. But I'm going to praise and worship through it. Well, that's it. Clap your hands to the Lord and lift up your voice. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. When you get to the point when you can praise when you don't understand why you're praising, and you can offer up worship when you have no reason, amen, that it looks like you have no reason to worship, things begin to shift. And things begin to change. Amen, amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him, don't lose your praise. Amen. We're going to do this. We're going to sing that song again, but we're going to do offering. So if I get a couple ushers that come up, we're going to praise and worship with our offering. We're going to sing that just a little bit longer, and we're going to get the speaker up here. Amen. When you bring your offering up to give it, I wonder if you would give with a thankful heart and with praise and gladness. Amen. We're going to let the enemy know that in 2022, but we've not lost our worship, that we'll worship when we give in the offering. We'll worship when the man of God's preaching. We'll worship when the musicians is. Come on, I wonder if you get some worship on right now. Amen. Lord, touch and bless this offering in the name of Jesus. God, touch and multiply in the hands of the user. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Want to praise and worship as you give today. I'll praise on bearing it. I'll shout my God's name. I'll dance on the 
clap your hands unto the Lord and lift up your voice one more time. Come on, if you got to dance on the enemy's head for a second, go ahead and do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Sure, the Lord is in this place looking forward to what God's going to do today. Can we lift our hands where we're at today and begin to prepare ourselves for the word of the Lord? Come on, ask the Lord to open your heart. Your mind, your soul right now. We're getting ready to get the speaker out. Lord, we love you. God, thank you, Lord, for the spirit, for the anointing we feel in this place right now. God, I pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, you give us ears to hear. God, and a heart to receive. God, let us be open and receptive, Lord God, to the move of the Holy Ghost that's taking place and is going to take place. Lord, touch and bless your messenger. God, anoint him, Lord God. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Can you welcome Brother Michael Moppin and the Lord out with a great big hand clap of praise? Come on, let's give him a praise today. He's worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what my favorite day is? My favorite day is the day after yesterday and the day before tomorrow. The day. Because the Bible says this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. So today's my favorite day because I know that today is the day that God has made and that today can be my day. And today can be your day. Whatever you have need of, God can do it today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till Wednesday. You don't have to wait till camp meeting or a youth conference. Today is your day. If you need healing, today is your day. If you need the Holy Ghost, today is your day. And I'm thankful that I'm here today. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here once again. Thank you for the nice room, and uh, thank you for the gift basket and the kindness. Enjoyed fellowship last night with the brethren and uh, enjoying the presence of God here today. And uh, thank you, uh, Bishop and First Lady. I love and appreciate you all very much. Uh, thank you for what you do, what you mean to the kingdom of God. Thank you, to Brother West, for what a great word he did in Sunday school today, and I uh, thank for that. Brother Ty. Congratulations. Excited about what God's going to do in his life. And uh, thankful for what God is doing uh, here, and not just here, but all, all over our country and all across our world. Things are dark. Things are uh, getting darker. But I believe that the darker the world gets, the brighter our light is going to shine. And I believe God is going to use uh, what the world, as, as Brother West talked about today, what Joseph said, what the enemy thought was for evil, God's going to turn it to good. So I believe what the world is going through, God can take it and turn it into a blessing. He can turn the curse into a blessing like only he can, and I'm thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of First Kings. I'm not going to hold you very long. I just want to speak a little word today. First Kings, the 19th chapter. Verses 9 through 13. 1 Kings 19, 9 through 13. 
Here we find Elijah. And if Elijah would have had a psychologist in his life, they probably would have called him a bipolar mess. Because Elijah always was one extreme to another. He was either calling down fire from heaven, or he was wanting God to kill him. And so, in 1 Kings 19 and 9, the Bible says, He came thither into a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, God said, What are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, They've thrown down thy altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only. Oh, Elijah, he just, he's the only one holding on to truth. I, even I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. They're trying to kill me. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But notice this, the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. Once again, still in the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So we find Elijah hiding in a cave. And God says, What are you doing here? God shows him all these magnificent things and then a still small voice. And Elijah's still in the cave. And God, once again, twice in this story, he says, what are you doing here? And that's what I want to preach on today. I want to ask you that simple question. What are you doing here? Would you set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven? Help me pray right now. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your majesty. We thank you for your glory. And God, I'm so thankful for everybody that's here today. God, would you touch their minds and their hearts right now? Remove every distraction, God, so that your word can fall on fertile soil today. Lord, we need the seed of your word to spring forth into someone's life right now. God, anoint me to preach your word the way you want it preached. Don't let it be my words, my thoughts, or my sermon. But God, let it be your words, your thoughts, and your message for your people. Speak to our hearts, God, and minister to somebody today. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Elijah has done some amazing things through God. But now we find him dwelling in a cave. 
And I want you to understand with me, God never called us to be troglodytes. That's just a fancy word for cave dwellers. If you study caves, I don't know if anyone's ever went into any caves. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we went and spent the night in a cave as an adventure. And uh, we went through some, some uh, that night we went through some trails in there that I wouldn't be able to fit in now, but I did when I was a kid. Uh, but caves are a very dangerous place. And you can visit them, but they're not recommended for a permanent residence. Uh, Caver's fall is, a le- is the leading cause of deaths in caves. Inside of caves, not only can you fall, the cavers fall, but rock falls can happen and cave-ins can occur inside of caves, crushing you or trapping you, and either will end in death. Caves are also a place that are prone to flooding, which can lead to drowning, which will also kill you. Caves also have disease-carrying creatures that inhabit them. Bats and rats and mice and parasites, venomous snakes and spiders and millipedes and scorpions, and even there's been nests of killer bees discovered inside of caves. Even the ticks that live on the cave creatures carry a rare disease called cave fever. Harmful bacteria and fungus grow in caves, especially in guano. If you don't know what guano is, that's what bats leave behind. Histoplasmosis can occur when you inhale these harmful bacteria growing in guano, and it can be very dangerous making you very sick and can even lead to your death. Caves are dark. So dark, in fact, that some troglobites, that means any creature having a cave-dwelling mode of life, have given up their eyes altogether. They don't even have eyes. They don't even form eyes. Matter of fact, I read an article when I was studying for this message, and a, a, a researcher, a scientist said, if sighted fish swim towards the light, the fish with eyes inside of a cave, they'll swim, they'll, they'll look for some sort of light to swim to. But he said, the only fish that stay in the cave are blind fish because they're not trying to get to the light anymore because they can't see it. If you stay in a cave too long, you're going to stop once, eventually you're going to stop trying to find the light in your life. Most traglobites are now endemic, which means they cannot leave the cave without dying since they are now particular to that environment. They've stayed in the cave so long that they can't, they can't live life outside the cave. They don't know how to live outside the cave any longer. They've been in their cave for too long. Caves are a place of disorientation and getting lost, leading to hallucinations. As a matter of fact, astronauts are often taken into caves to help prepare them for the disorientation that they will experience in space. Caves are a place of loneliness, isolation, And claustrophobia are constant companions inside of caves. Because there's no sunlight, 
you lose your concept of time. Because of this, two hours may feel like ten. Or ten hours may feel like two. Inside the cave, it may feel like forever, causing panic and leading to mental problems. Caves can be very cold and can lead to hypothermia. High humidity and a lack of clean drinking water can lead to dehydration. Poisonous gases that, like carbon dioxide, can build up in caves. And when in small areas, the more you inhale and exhale, it leads to the less oxygen available, and eventually you die. I don't know if you've noticed the correlations yet of cave, of a physical cave and a spiritual cave. But I believe today that if you're living in a spiritual cave, there are some dangers in your life that you're not aware of. I believe there's some things in that cave that can kill you, not just physically, but can kill you spiritually. I believe some of you, if you stay in the cave so long that you're going to stop looking for the light of God. I believe if you stay in the cave for too long, you're not going to know how to function outside the cave. You're going to be like Elijah and just stay in your pity party inside the cave. But I've come with a word from heaven today. God is asking What are you doing here? He never intended for you to dwell in a spiritual cave. He never intended for you to stay in the depression that you're in, to stay in the faith that you're in. But God is calling you out of the cave today. God is calling you out of the darkness today. God is calling somebody today. What are you doing here? And just as caves are not favorable places to live in today, caves weren't favorable places throughout the Bible either. That's why God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Do you not know what I can do for you? Did I not feed you by ravens during a drought? Did I not tell you there's a sound of abundance of rain? Did I not tell you that you could call down fire from heaven and it would consume? Why are you in a cave, Elijah? Have you forgotten what I can do? And I've come to tell somebody in this house that's in a spiritual cave, have you forgotten who your God is? Have you forgotten what he's done in the past? Have you forgotten? forgotten what he's capable of doing. You don't have to stay in your cave. You don't have to stay in there in the darkness any longer. God's calling you out today. He's telling somebody, if I healed you then, don't stay in the cave. I can heal you today. If I gave you a revival then, don't stay in your cave. I can give you a revival now. Somebody needs to get out of the cave this morning. Look at the stories in the Bible. When Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, you know where he went? He took his daughters and they lived in a cave. In that cave. I don't want to get too graphic, but in that cave, his two daughters got their father drunk, committed incest with him. The result of that faithful faithful night was children whose descendants would become the God-hating Ammonites and Moabites. 
Because when you're in a cave, you don't think clearly. When you're in a cave, you think it's the end of the world. When you're in a cave, you think there's no way out. When you're in the cave, you'll do ungodly things. When you're living in a cave, you'll do things that you never thought you would do. So don't stay in the cave for too long or you're going to give birth to some things that are enemies of God. If you stay in the cave too long, you're going to give birth to some God-haters. You better realize that you don't need to stay in the cave today. Once again, what are you doing here? If you studied out Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know what they use caves for? They use caves to bury their dead. You know what that tells me today? Caves aren't for the living. Caves are for the dead. If you're trying to live in a spiritual cave today, death is soon to follow. God didn't call you to live in a cave That's where you bury dead people. That's where dead things are. That's where animals go to die. That's where things die and decay inside of cave. God didn't call you to go die in a cave of loneliness and isolation and self-pity and hurt and anger and fear. But God is calling somebody out of the cave today because there's still life in you. There's still life in your marriage. There's still life in your children. There's still life in your ministry. Ministry, but you got to get out of the cave tonight. The five kings of the Amorites ran and hid from Joshua in a cave. It became a place of entrapment and led to their easy defeat and death. And you, if you're in a, if you're entrapped in a spiritual cave tonight or today, let me tell you, death is soon to follow. So God is asking once again, what are you doing here? When the Midianites oppressed the Israelites, study it out. You know what they did? They hid themselves in the caves out of fear. And if you're oppressed by the enemy, he would love nothing more for you to go hide in a cave, a spiritual cave in fear. But I've come to say, what are you doing here today? Look at the story of King Saul. King Saul went into a cave actually to relieve himself. Little did he know that David and his men were hiding in that same cave. And they could have easily killed him because caves are a great place of ambush. So if you're in a cave today, you need to understand you are an easy target for the enemy. It's in the darkness and the dampness of a spiritual cave where the enemy, like I preached about last night, will start twisting your mind and will start causing you to think things you shouldn't be thinking and start doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You are an easy target. The enemy's trying to ambush you inside the cave. So once again, what are you doing here? So why was Elijah in the cave? He gave the reason when God asked him, what are you doing here? Elijah said he was jealous. You know what? I believe some of us are in a cave of jealousy. We're jealous. I'm jealous of this person. I'm jealous of that person. 
I'm jealous of the, the other church across town. I'm jealous of what they have and what I don't have. I'm jealous of their ministry. I'm jealous of their marriage. I'm jealous of their children. I'm jealous of their belongings. I'm jealous of their job. I'm jealous of their money. And if we're not careful, the enemy will put us in a cave of jealousy. And then he said he was mad because the people had forsaken God. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a cave of anger. I'm mad at everything and everybody. You can't make me happy. I'm mad. I'm in my cave of anger. The world has hurt me. The world has angered me. Life is not fair. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Things aren't happening the way I thought they should. Things aren't going my way. I got overlooked on the promotion. My wife treated me this way. My husband treated me that way. My children won't live right. I'm in a cave of anger. And then he said he felt like he was the only one left standing for God. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a cave of self-righteousness. Where I'm holier than everybody else. And I'm more spiritual than everybody else. And I'm more anointed than everybody else. And I'll find myself all alone in a cave of self-righteousness. And then the last thing he said to God was that he felt like people were trying to kill him. He was always looking over his shoulder. So he said, let me get into a cave and let me hide out of fear. If we're not careful, the enemy will sell a lie to us and we'll start believing it that everybody's against us and everybody's out to get us and everybody's trying to wound me and everybody's trying to harm me. And if I'm not careful, I'll back myself up into a cave and I'll say, nobody can find me in here because it's dark. Nobody can find me in here because I've got my back up against the slimy cave wall. Nobody can sneak up on me. And what we'll do is we'll find ourselves in the darkness of isolation all by myself with nobody there to help me with no light of day with no hope and I'll find myself in a cave of fear look what happened in John the 11th chapter verse 38 Jesus therefore again growing in himself cometh to the grave And then notice what it says. And it was a cave. So the cave was a grave. And a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus can remove stones. As a matter of fact, He he has the ability to do what he wants to do. In the Old Testament, Jesus made water come from a stone. In the Old Testament, he made a a forehead-seeking missile out of a stone when it left David's sling. So God can do what he wants. And and we find later in in this same book of the Bible, when he was inside a sealed tomb, he removed the stone himself. But at this point, he said, I'm not the one who put Lazarus in the cave. You put him in the cave. 
I'm not the one that put the stone as a sign of finality that you signed and sealed and said there's no hope for him now. He's been dead for four days. By now he stinketh. And you're the one who said it's over. You're the one who put the stone on the cave. I didn't put the stone there because I know that cave is not what I want for Lazarus' life. That cave is not really the truth. And Jesus said, I didn't put the stone there. You put it there so you remove the stone. And I can't help but think that some of us came in spiritual caves today and God wants you to remove the stone. He can do it. He has all power and authority in heaven and in hell. But he said, you're the one that put the stone there. You need to remove the stone. And before you ever come out of your grave, before you ever come out of your cave, you need to remove the stone that says it's over. You need to remove the stone that says there's no hope. You need to remove the stone that says it's dead and it'll never live again. Somebody needs to remove the stone today. When he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And it didn't matter that they had once put a stone there. And it didn't matter that that cave was dark. And it didn't matter that that lifeless body had laid in there for four days when Jesus said, come out of the cave. Death had no more control. The stone had no more control. The cave had no more control. Darkness had no more control. But Lazarus came walking out of the cave. And I can't help but hear the voice of heaven today telling somebody, remove the stone and Lazarus to come forth. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the cave. It doesn't matter how long you felt dead. It doesn't matter how long you felt neglected. It doesn't matter how long you've been depressed. It doesn't matter how long you've been afraid I can't help but think that Jesus is crying to somebody he's commanding somebody come out of the cave today and when the dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin Jesus said loose him once again he could have loosed him himself. He could have said, Lazarus, come forth and leave your, cl- your grave clothes in the cave. But once again, I'm not the one that wrapped him up. I'm not the one that deemed it was over. The ones that said it were over, they're the ones that need to release him. And some of you in here today, you're not just in a cave, but you're bound from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in grave clothes because people have said you're done. People have said it's over. People have said there's no hope. But I've come to tell somebody, not only are you going to walk out of your cave today, but you need to loose yourself. You need to shake the grave clothes off of your body. You need to shave the grave clothes off of your head, off of your mind off of your heart and say I'm walking out of here free I'm not staying in the cave any longer I'm not staying in my dead place any longer I'm free today
I love the story in 1 Samuel 22. I'm almost done. Musicians can go ahead and be coming. David, therefore departed thence, and he escaped to the cave. There we go again. We find a man of God, an anointed man of God, forgetting who he is, and going to a cave. See, that's the problem. Some of us have apostolic amnesia in here tonight. We forgot who we are. We forgot our call. We forgot our ministry. We forgot, forgot our anointing. We forgot what God has done for us, and we're hiding in a cave, and that's exactly what David does. David escapes to the cave called Adullam, and Adullam, if you look it up, means a hiding place. In other words, David's hiding. He's hiding from Saul. He's hiding from his prophets. He's hiding from his hurts. He's hiding from the, the things going on in his life. And, and notice this, and when his brethren in his father's house hear about it, they go down and join him. And then notice this, misery loves company. Because David, the problem with staying in a cave is you're not going to stay there by yourself. Listen to me, men. You're the priest of your home. You're the leader of your home. If you stay in the cave too long, you're not going to be there by yourself. Eventually your wife and your children are going to be in there. Mamas, look at them babies sitting on your lap and in the pew with you. If you stay in your cave too long, eventually others are going to join you. You don't stay there by yourself, but eventually others are going to come. And the Bible says all those that were distressed and those that were in debt and those that were discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. David, you stayed in the cave so long that now you've multiplied. God never called us to multiply in the cave. He called us to multiply, but not inside the cave. Because when you multiply in the cave, it's not good things. It was discontented, distressing, and debt people. But thank God for a man of God. Because in verse number five, the prophet Gad was sent by God to the cave. And I can see the man of God walking to the cave's entrance, probably saying, God, are you sure this is where David's at? Are you sure you want me to go inside that cave? I don't like caves, God. And he looks and he peeks inside of there and he says, is David in here? David probably says, yeah, I'm in here. David, the giant slayer? David the lion killer, David the bear destroyer, David the anointed next king of Israel, David the heart playing psalmist. Yeah, that David. Because I don't remember those things. All I know is what's going on right now. And I'm hiding in a cave. And the prophet peeks into the cave and he says, David, God sent me with a word. Abide not in the hold. But depart, and notice what he said, and get thee to the land of Judah, the land of praise. Y'all can play that same song that we were singing before I got up here if you want to. Because I feel like that's what God wants somebody to do, because that's the remedy today for getting out of the cave, is get to the land of praise. 
Because if I can get out of the darkness, if I can get out of the hurt, if I can step out of the pain and step into the sunlight and I can find my way down to the land of Judah and find my way down to the land of praise. It's just something about when I begin to praise God, the light starts to shine a little bit brighter. There's just something about when I begin to praise God, the darkness of the cave isn't surrounding me any longer. When there's just something about when I begin to praise God that I forget about my worry. I forget about my trial. I forget about my pain. I forget about the depression and then the anxiety. If you're in a cave today, I challenge you just like Prophet Gad challenged David. Get out of the cave. Don't let the cave become your grave. But get out of the cave and get to the land of Judah. Get to the land of praise. And then notice this. The most powerful words in these three scriptures are these next three words. Then David departed. See, the prophet can tell you to leave the cave, David, but only you can make the decision to depart. I can preach to you today like I have. God can ask you the question, what are you doing here? I can tell you that you don't need to stay in the cave, that you need to leave the cave. But only you can make the decision to leave the cave and get to the land of Judah today. While praying and studying for this message, I felt like God said, tell my people that I never intended for them to live in caves. I never intended for them to be spiritual troglodytes. And he said, tell my people that they've got to get out of their cave today. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to leave the cave. Today is the day to get out of the darkness and step into the light. Today is the day to get to the land of Judah. God said, get out of your cave. It might be a cave of sin. It might be a cave of sickness. It might be a cave of disappointment. It may be a cave of fear or anger or doubt or addiction or heartache or pain. I don't know what your cave is, but God sent me on this Sunday morning to say, what are you doing here? And you need to get out of your cave. You don't need to stay one more second in the darkness, but step into the light and leave the cave behind. Come on, as they begin to play and sing, I challenge somebody to step out of their cave tonight. I challenge somebody to leave that cave and get to the land of Judah. Come on, step out of the darkness. Step into the light. Step out of the pain and step into the praise. Step out of your problems and step into praise today. My shout will overcome. I will open up my mouth and give you praise. Praise it.
Somebody get loose from the grave clothes today. Somebody seek for the light. I'll shout my